half year, the holidays are approaching and they start in retail quicker than ever. So this is a good way to kind of take a step back and see where the brands are as they approach the most important couple of quarters of the year. I'm Daphne Howland. And I'm Danny James, and we're reporters at Retail Dive. This is our podcast where we look into the biggest retail trends shaping the industry. We talk about what traditional retailers are up to, what's happening in the DTC space, and everything in between. Plus, we'll be talking to some industry experts along the way. This is The Backroom. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of The Backroom. Today, Danny and I are talking about one of her specialties, which is DTC, all of retail, just reported the first half of the year with their second quarter reports, which are still coming in. Danny, what does it look like for the DTC space now that six months of the year is over? Yeah, so I think it's um, an interesting time of the year, just generally, right, for retail. Half year, the holidays are approaching and they start in retail quicker than ever. So this is a good way to kind of take a step back and see where the brands are as they approach the most important couple of quarters of the year. With that in mind, Q2 was more of a mixed bag of results for direct-to-consumer in comparison to some of the more established retailers. And I think one of the biggest trends that we're noticing is, as we're in the middle of the year is that brands are really hitting home on either the D2C or wholesale channels. I think in the past when we've spoken with and covered a lot of these D2C brands, they tend to, to always emphasize that they're looking at growth across all channels, right, regardless of the distribution method. But we've definitely noticed a few of the very successful brands in the D2C space are very focused on their own retail channels as opposed to the retailers. So a good example of that is the athletic brand On, commonly known as On Running. In their second quarter, I mean, they hit record numbers again. I think their D2C net sales grew more than wholesale, which is something that they've been focused on actively on purpose. So D2C for them grew 54.7% to about 163 million Swiss francs, their Swiss company while wholesale only jumped 51%. So D2C grew just a little more than wholesale, but that's been an active focus for them in the long run. The same goes for Canada Goose. They have been very focused on D2C growth. The D2C revenue for their first quarter, which was in August, so not Q2, but it is a half year for them, jumped 60% in Q1. So those are a couple of fairly successful brands in the area that are more focused on D2C right now than wholesale. And they are both global brands, very international focused. So I have to say these like massive jumps in revenue are not what we're seeing on the traditional side, especially with apparel focused brands. It seems like there were sales declines of anything, if anything. But because a lot of retailers have been really clamping down on costs, margins and profits improved at a lot of places? What is it looking like for some of these DTC brands? Or are they still in that mindset of grow, 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 and worry about profits later? Yeah. So the big <laughs> the question we're always talking about, and I think the word comes up more nowadays is profitability, to your point. So two of the most successful brands in the DTC space are On and Canada Goose. 
on their net income did drop this quarter, but overall still a really good good quarter for the company. Um, and they maintained a net income. Canada Goose, their net loss increased year over year, but their their overall margins and their D2C growth are positive. So those are the success stories, but there's a lot of brands that are not turning a hard profit. So Allbirds is one of those brands that I think is often examined in the D2C space. They have been undergoing a huge transformation plan since the spring. And part of that has included layoffs, as well as one of the co-founders stepping down from a co-CEO position. He's still in the C-suite, but he's no longer acting as a CEO. They didn't do great during the quarter, the second quarter, but they actually beat their expectations in the sense that revenue during Q2 for Allbirds only dropped 9.8%, which was better than they were expecting. But they also had a net loss still of $28.9 million. Purple, they also kept a net loss. Wayfair also had a net loss um, of $46 million. So there are plenty of brands that are not making a, a traditional profit still, but there are a few like shining stars, I guess, so to speak, in the arena. I think one of the biggest success stories we've had in the last few months during Q2 was that Oddity, which is kind of a consumer technology company, they went public. I think they increased their share price like several times before actually starting to trade on the public market. And they operate direct-to-consumer brands, Il Maquillage, which is predominantly makeup, and Spoiled Child, which sells supplements and skincare. They went public. It's kind of, we haven't had a big public IPO like this in the D2C space in a long time. They're an Israeli-based company. And when they went public, they were able, of course, to report some of their financial results in the last few years when they were private. And now they've reported their Q2 earnings officially. So they are expecting full year net revenue to be in the 475 million to 480 million range. They've also had a net income during 2020, 2021, and 2022. So that is a company actually turning a profit and they are purely D2C and mainly online based. That's interesting because a lot of DTC brands went public without turning a profit. Right. And I I think that speaks to maybe the changing attitude in the space um, that we've been talking about for about six months now, which is just maybe it's going to become the normal to expect actual net incomes as opposed to net losses from these brands when they go public. So is there any pattern that you can see that makes a brand stand out? Is it the assortment? Obviously, beauty is doing well, you know, better than apparel these days in general. Is it because there's more of a mix of wholesale and DTC for them? Or is it hard to find a pattern between, a you know, a strong company that is seeing good revenue growth and profit? Or I think it's a multitude of factors. So that's the unideal answer, right? Is that it's a little tough to determine a trend. Of course, a lot of analysts would say like having a good assortment is important, but you have to be really strategic with your products nowadays. I think that is where some analysts have said all birds drop the ball with going into apparel maybe too quickly instead of focusing on their core, more premium priced sneakers. So they're actually shifting back to that, right? They've cut back on apparel now. And, you know, the the balance between wholesale and D2C, I would say most brands try to have a healthy balance between the two. 
on and Canada Goose both operate with wholesale and D2C, but they are now focusing more on D2C since establishing a bit of a wholesale presence internationally. I think the really important thing with both of those brands is that they both have really maintained their price perception and their value perception. Canada Goose is, of course, a luxury apparel company and on pretty much sells a very expensive athletic sneaker, multiple sneakers, I should say. And they both have really mastered, you know, who their audience is. And for Canada Goose, that is a premium luxury shopper. They do not change with that. They rarely, maybe ever do sales that much. Same goes for On. They don't do a ton of sales. It's interesting how certain retailers and brands just do not compromise when it comes to price. And it's like Canada Goose, Lululemon, Apple, even Lush. You never see sale signs at Lush, you know? Right. I remember when I used to shop at Lush when I was younger, I, I was always hoping they would do sales and they never did. No, it's like, do you, do you want it or not? You know, this is how much it is. Right. And with wholesale, I think you lose a bit of that autonomy to a degree, right? I think Crocs spoke about this recently in their latest earnings where they luckily didn't see and like purposefully made sure they didn't have a ton of markdowns on their products, mainly through wholesale, which a lot of footwear brands have seen over the past few months. So I think maintaining that price where you want it is super important right now. So it's been really interesting to see DTC brands move to wholesale because part of the whole point was to not do that. The other thing that DTC was supposed to be was online. And now there are a lot more doing stores. And the one I think of when it comes to stores is Warby Parker. Are they still, you know? Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned Warby Parker because during Q2, they spoke quite a bit as they normally do about store. And they have stores, but they also do eye exams at a lot of these stores. So they spoke about that growth. They opened 13 new stores during the quarter. They ended the period with 217 locations in total. And then executives said that the company's on track to open 40 new stores by the end of the year. Which is a lot of stores. That's a that's quite a few. Yeah. Right. A lot of eyeglasses. <laughs> so yeah, they're very focused on store growth. And Canada Goose is also very focused on store growth. They're planning to double its footprint over the next five years. And they also opened three new permanent stores during Q1, which was their fiscal Q1. And that included locations in the U.S., but also internationally. They're a very international focused company. Let's talk about Peloton. What's going on over there? Yeah, so Peloton has always been an interesting story the past year and a half, right? So we got to remember... Last year, there were major executive changes and huge drops in sales, you know, after the pandemic trend where people were working out at home. They most recently in their Q2 this month reported not great results, mainly because they knew growth was going to be challenged this quarter, but they were not expecting the impact from their latest seat post recall that they started in May. So um, the overall costs for that were higher than anticipated, and they had more people apply for replacement seat posts than they initially anticipated. So that did hinder growth overall for the quarter for them. And leading up to the Q2 results a few weeks ago, they also announced some pretty different initiatives for the company. Traditionally, they've been very focused on direct-to-consumer online, and they've had a few stores 
or they sell directly to consumers. But over the last six months, they've started selling a little more through wholesale with Dick Sporting Goods, also through Amazon. And most recently, they announced a couple of initiatives to work with colleges and universities, right? So supplying and, and partnering with athletes at a lot of the big schools. And they also announced a new B2B initiative, Peloton for Business, where they're trying to offer more wellness services and equipment to our enterprise clients, essentially. So definitely they are changing their approach to how they reach consumers. It feels like there's a lot of tension, DTC versus wholesale, stores online. And now you're talking about things like assortment. Should we have stuck to our original concept or diversify our merchandise? Answering those questions. And then it sounds like they're working for some of these brands and and not for others. Yeah, I think some of it just has to do with how established some of these brands are with their core audience already and what the socioeconomic makeup of that core audience is. So, you know, for Madison Reed, that's a private company, so they're not public, but they are very D2C focused. They own their own salons and they have a strong online presence through their website. They just entered Walmart, uh, so they're expanding their wholesale presence pretty much. And when I spoke to their CEO, Amy Arrett, she reiterated that they're focused on every distribution channel, which I just think is interesting and is a little different to some of these companies like On and Canada Goose, who are clearly a little more focused on D2C than wholesale. So I think it really just varies. So the reports that are that have been coming out in the past several days and will for a while, I think, are Q2, which means that all these brands and retailers are in Q3 right now. And they're looking toward Q4, which for some, but not all, is, you know, huge. Back to school even, I think that I think back to school is the second largest season as far as selling. And then holiday is just right behind it. What are DTC executives talking about as they report out their Q2s? Any look ahead toward what the crucial season is going to look like? Yeah. So, you know, I think as opposed to the mass retailer beat, right, which I know you know much better than I would, that space seems to be talking about holiday a little more than the D2C space and the, the newer brand space. So there hasn't been a ton of holiday talk with executives on these calls. I think we'll get more of that when Q3 rounds out. But I will say that Peloton spoke quite a bit about how they consider themselves a seasonally you know, dependent brand. So for their Q2, they saw and they expected kind of a drop in subscription and just overall purchase growth with customers during the quarter. And I think they tend to see better results as the holidays come around, whether that's because of weather and people want to work out inside more often, or if that's because people are a little more focused on fitness goals as the new year comes around. Can't be quite sure, but certainly there are a few brands who are seasonally dependent in the space. It makes sense, right? If you are finally get to get on your actual bike and ride outside that you wouldn't be thinking about subscribing to Peloton or, you know, keeping up with your subscription or buying a new bike, indoor bike. But it sounds like maybe they had to kind of discover that. Yes. And they would argue that they're not just a bike company anymore. So, so that's mm-hmm. been a big focus for them in the past quarter. Since last quarter, they launched a new brand initiative and kind of a rebrand overall. Um, And they're trying to diversify their offerings. So they've expanded past just like bike subscriptions 
and they've added new tiers to their membership for digital just workout and um, cardio and weightlifting services. So they do a lot of digital content in that arena. And I think they're hoping that customers look towards more of those options instead of just thinking about the bike and the rower machine and the treadmill. It'll be interesting to keep an eye on the marketing for some of these brands because, I don't know, they might change their minds and decide they want to end up on people's lists. But I can also see how there might be value in not being so dependent on Q4. Well, and especially you've reported on how consumers have a lot going on right now. (laughs) The whole industry does. I know you've reported on how um, student loan forgiveness Mm, has impacted the potential holiday budgets for a lot of consumers. Um, if payments start to ramp up again. So yeah, I think the better you can diversify yourself throughout the the year seems to be a better game plan. The holiday season just continues to get a little more complex. This is probably a good time to mention the fact that we're going to be having a webinar on Thursday, September 21st. Definitely check out your Retail Dive newsletter for more information on that. We'll be talking about the state of the consumer and what retailers of all types really are up against this year. Uncertainty seems to be a theme. Lots of people are going to have to start paying off their student loan balances. It's interesting. One analyst told me recently that there's a grace period of several months, maybe even a year, but people are already thinking in terms of that affecting their budgets for this year. It's just another wild card in a year that's been sort of uncertain anyway. Inflation, which is subsiding now, just kept people, you know, figuring out, you know, how do you afford things when the basics are so expensive? Just even the even the steps that the Fed was taking to help inflation and tamp it down, you know, what is that going to, how is that going to affect the job market, which has been so important to keep people, you know, out and buying things at retailers. It seems like as we get through the third quarter and head toward the fourth, there's just still a lot of questions around the mood of the consumer, the state of the consumer, you know, what they're up against. And I know you'll be speaking at that um, webinar alongside our lead editor, Stephanie, and some of the reporters at our sister publications who are going to be speaking about holiday from the more marketing and supply chain perspective. So certainly an event to, to get a good preview of the holidays for. So we will definitely be keeping an eye on things in retail as the second half of the year unfolds, especially as the holidays get closer and closer. This episode of The Backroom was produced and edited by Caroline Jansen. Please be sure to like, rate, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.